This is a previously recorded episode. Tell me you love me. I need a good laugh. I'm only water. You need a good bath. Whiskey and perfume. You had a nightcap. Now how about that? I've got a new friend. A perfect stranger. He's got a bullet with your name in the chamber. I'm body organ. Rearranger. You feel my danger. Time. Welcome to the Nooner Show with Jay Dubs and Denise Brennan Nelson. We are broadcasting live from Detroit Sound Studios, high above Activate Gaming in Ferndale, Michigan. You can find us at DetroitPodcast.com. What time is it? It's Nooner Time! Somebody bring me a mirror. Happy hump day. Happy hump day to you, Jackie. How are you? Good. How are you? It doesn't doesn't seem like hump day today, does it? Well, no, but we missed each other last week. We did? Why? I can't remember. Remember we pre-taped the show, so we weren't together last week. You didn't miss me. Oh, I did. You're right. I showed up. You weren't here. Yeah. Oh, no, I doubt that. It's. It, I felt like that's I was right. so. It was so oh, long since that's I've why seen I'm confused you. today. Yeah. God, it feels like today? a Monday. <laughs> that's why I'm confused. You can stop there. Okay. okay. Thanks, Denise. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so excited about our guest today. I know, but guess what? We have a birthday. Another birthday in the house. Mm-hmm. It's, hey, your it's your birthday. birthday. Yeah. Do the Marilyn well, Monroe I'm, version, I'm, Jackie. No, you do that. You're the singer. Come on, you're the rapper. Come on, the... Denise. I have faith in you. Yeah. Oh, she doesn't yeah. Have now you guys have faith in <laughs> me. Yeah. You're oh, just yeah. doing that for Heather. I know it. Yeah. Um, they usually don't let me sing, Heather. Just to let you <laughs> That's know. true. That's true. We're trying to make a good impression here on your boss. Right. And we're working on our mic. So if you're listening and we're not talking clearly or something of that order, be sure and text or call us and let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I talk too loud. <laughs> Not that we'll check it anyway. Not that anything's going to change. Right. That's like when I ask Bob for his opinion and he gives it to me. And you tune out right <laughs> after goes, you ask. Right. Why do you ask? You're not going to listen to And you to walk away and you ask, start asking another question. Right. That's what I do. Or I'll do the exact opposite of what he tells me to do. Oh, God. You know, do you well, like these shoes or these shoes? Oh, and he'll you know say what? those and I take the other ones. That's annoying. John does that to me all the time. He does? Oh, he does. He'll oh. ask my opinion and then do completely opposite. And it's oh. so irritating. Maybe John and I should be married. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> we would drive each other crazy. Yeah. Yeah, you would. Yeah. No, I'm not giving up my John. No. Mm-mm. No. Speaking of John. What about him? Well, speaking of John and love and all that, should oh. we talk about our Yeah, what you our do for amazing Valentine's tech Day? Her birthday? Um, I had a cold, so I hung out at home and oh. uh I don't know my boyfriend made dinner and all that. Oh, he did. And got a rose, which was fine because I'm I'm not huge on Valentine's Day. Yeah. Like sometimes I am, but this year I was just not really feeling it yeah so my birthday was the next day so that's what mattered because then i came home from work to presents yeah that's good (laughs) it's about you being born not valentine's day yeah i I hear you what about you denise did you go to that favorite restaurant yeah Yeah. tallywhackers yeah (laughs) 
I still can't get over that you were really thinking about taking Bob there. Well, yeah, if it wasn't in Texas, I, oh. might, I might have, but it is in Texas. Right now, it's not nationwide, so Tallywhackers, yeah. Isn't that the funniest name for it a restaurant? Really is. Well, have we, you have you heard of it, Heather? No. It's a it's a restaurant for women and all the men, all the waiters, like Hooters. It's a, oh, it's a okay, okay. female version, but they call it Tallywhackers. <laughs> well, <the laughs> Which, remember we looked up the word Tallywhackers? Oh, yeah, because I didn't even know what it was. You do now. Oh, I, I, you're right, I do. Yeah. <laughs> And we're not going to talk about it. No, are we? no. Okay. We no, we back. didn't go there. Oh, that's no. good. No, that's good. We celebrated quietly at home. Do you celebrate Valentine's Day? I mean, you're married as long as I've been married. Yeah, you still? thirty years. Uh, not really. No, no. Yeah. We do. I did a couple nice things for him, and he did a couple nice things for me. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> that's celebrating. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but happy birthday, Jessica. Yes. We could not well, do this birthday. without you. I know. Aww. And we feel like you're the Thanks. calm before the storm, though this morning Jackie was the calm before the storm. <laughs> yeah. Denise, I'm always the calm before the storm when it's you and I. Really? Yeah. Get that book behind you and hold on to it. <laughs> so it's back to balance. Seriously. That's a word you I use put a that lot. Right next, yeah, but you don't live it. Oh, I do, though. You do? Oh, sure. Oh, so okay. We're... I guess not on Wednesday mornings. No. All. Not on hump day. <laughs> not on hump day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting over the hump, baby. Just yeah, yeah hold That's on. That's all right. That's so, all right. But, but yes, thank you, Jessica. Yes, I feel like for everything you, you do. You're yeah. incredible to for work my with. Thank you. Well, you are incredible. Yep. Now, um, moving on, because yeah. I want to know what you did for Valentine's Day. Did oh, you and John uh, celebrate? No, no. Actually, right. well, we went out of town because we had an unexpected funeral. Oh, yeah. God, I'm sorry. So, yeah, thanks. I mean, um, but I have to tell you, though, I can't stop thinking about this funeral. It was really the most beautiful funeral I've ever been to. Really? And fortunately, I can say I haven't been to that many, but it just, it's, this was so completely different, and it was definitely um, a reflection of his life. It was my brother-in-law, and he died unexpectedly, and uh, just to give you a quick little background about him, he, um, after high school, went to seminary school because he thought he wanted to be a priest, and then he ended up meeting my sister-in-law, and that changed the course of his life, and Married, three amazing kids, um, but he was very spiritual and very religious throughout his course of his life, and um, he practiced Catholicism, so he was uh, like a leader in his church, um, but he also founded a spiritual center that was all Eastern philosophy. It was based on Buddhism, and so it was just interesting to see somebody that actually took Eastern and Western you know, religious principles, and re- he lived by it, but you could tell by the funeral, it was all walks of life. It was in the Catholic church that he attended, but it w- the ceremony was completely different. They There was no church music. There was a live band playing Beatles. Um, there, nobody read f- scriptures. It was all um, like... Uh, family talking? Well, family and uh, poems, um, very Eastern-influenced poems, written poems, um, they had a Catholic priest that did part of the ceremony. There was a female pastor from a non-denominational church that did part of the ceremony. And there were three monks that did part of the ceremony as well. They did this chant that they do in their tradition. It was so completely different. Wow. And it's like, you know, religion, not to get into that subject, but, you know, for so many people, it there there is a... It divides people because, you know, it's Absolutely. their religion versus somebody else's. And he was so spiritual. And and you could tell just by there were hundreds of people. 
And just the way this whole thing came together, it was just amazing. Well, and isn't that beautiful that they, kudos to the Catholic Church. Oh, I agree. That, you right. know, because some Catholic churches no. will not allow you to right. even have speakers at, right. at the um, service. Right. So, you know, this what a was a wonderful way different. to work together. And yeah. Well, and it was all about humanity, which is what he was about. And um, and you could just see it with the hundreds of people that were there and the people that were, you know, putting on the funeral. It was it was, wow. it was very different. Just now, very did different. he have what well, you said? He died unexpectedly. Yeah. So who who put this whole thing together? Did he have any say in it before he died? Did he have you know what? A vision? Um, I don't know that. And I was thinking to myself. He's not the type that would have ever planned that because he does, he didn't think like that, you know. Like he he wasn't the type that would be afraid of death or anything else. So I can't imagine that he would have even talked about it. But um, I could see him actually looking down and saying, "This is perfect. This wow. is great." So his wife and his kids. I mean, what a tribute! Oh yeah, and and every the church and you know he's the monks. He um, he would go on spiritual retreats with the monks. He um, prayed with the Dalai Lama. Wow. And uh, it was just... Um, That's amazing. It ever, was amazing. Do you ever think about your own funeral? Well, you remind me every time we have a show together <laughs> that you want to plan my funeral. But I'll tell you what. I do want to speak <laughs> I know you do. I don't know that... We'll do a whole show on it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. On my funeral? No, but seriously, I, I really couldn't stop thinking about it because I thought to myself, you know... I'm going to have to hire someone to give speeches like that. <laughs> no. It was just your beautiful. Kids, your kids Seriously. will be all over that. Oh, well, your beautiful. kids will sing at it. Yeah, well, I know you're planning yours already too, right? Well, I want a big one. <laughs> I know you do. It's got to be big. And you'll have candles. You're going to want certain candles. And wine. So the room's got to be set up a certain way. Yeah, they'll definitely have wine and at lots my of funeral. good food. Oh, yeah. it just makes you realize, though. Life is short. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Eat dessert first and... Drink wine. Drink, drink, drink me. wine. Yeah, right? yeah. Actually, one of my favorite quotes is, uh, "What is it? Wine is proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy." <laughs> yeah. Is that it? I've heard it. Oh, okay. I didn't make that up. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Quote oh. by D. Yeah. Right. Oh wow. Well, it's got to be time for oh our right? favorite segment. Yeah. Our we favorite. To, we segment. get to bring our awesome guest in. So yeah. So oh wait, where's our bell? It's right here. There we go. Ring for a beer, Denise. Right there. Yeah. No, I'm I'm drinking wine. Okay. Well, it's time for What's the Wish? And this is the segment designed to showcase the stories of talented and gutsy individuals who had a wish and found a way to make it happen. They set goals, overcame obstacles, and turned setbacks into comebacks. Their stories are unique, interesting, and most of all, inspiring. We have Heather Hughes here today. We have the privilege of having Heather, I should say. She is the publisher at Sleeping Bear Press, a children's book publishing company based in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Their books have won numerous awards, inspired rave reviews, garnered kudos from discerning critics, have been read by actors and politicians, and some have even made their way to the White House. You remember when Mike Monroe was yes. here? Since their first children's book, The Legend of Sleeping Bear, in 1998, which is the official children's book of Michigan. Right. I don't know if you knew I that. Did, I did see that. They have grown from an unknown to a company who's known by readers throughout the country. Their goal is simple, and I love this. Great books for children. Right. Heather is married to Pat Hughes, a former hockey NH- NHL player. He won uh, one Stanley Cup with Montreal in 1979, two wow. with the Oilers, and they have th- three beautiful and amazing daughters, one of who just got married. And, of course, oh, you wow. know our CEO is getting married in a month, so yes. Heather and I, after the show, have a lot to talk oh, about. Oh, no kidding. That'll be another show. I, well, it could. We talk about <laughs> heaven. Right. You know? right. Well, I hope with Easy we'll talk about weddings with him. Oh, I'm sure he'll be thrilled. I want to... <laughs> 
I want to well, find out what welcome, kind of wedding Welcome, Heather. Yeah, thanks well, for thank being, you. being thank here. Thank you so much. It's my privilege to be here. Aw, well, thank you, thank you. Now, we have, as always, a ton of questions, so we're going to get right, right to them. And I know, because um, I've been around you a few times in my life, um, <laughs> that there is an interesting story behind Sleeping Bear Press' first book, The Legend of Sleeping Bear. Do you want to tell us the short version of that? Sure, sure. Um, Prior to releasing The Legend of Sleeping Bear, we had been publishing regional titles. And as part of my responsibilities at that time, it was to book um, radio interviews um, for some of our um, authors of, of our sports titles. And as I would call various radio stations and leave messages to please call me back and that I was calling from Sleeping Bear Press... Um, I would often get the question, why is your company called Sleeping Bear Press? And so it was after, you know, uh, this happening on many occasions that I finally decided that we really need to do, we really needed to do a book that explained um, that beautiful part of Michigan, the Sleeping Bear Dunes, and, um, you know, why we had um, chosen the name Sleeping Bear Press for our company. But in, on one of those occasions, um, this gentleman called me back to schedule an author interview, and he said, oh, Sleeping Bear Press. What kind of books do you publish? <laughs> B-A-R-E. B-A-R-E. Oh, I'm thinking. <laughs> Bear naked. You, isn't that a, Okay. So after that, I, I often found myself spelling B-E-A-R <laughs> when I left messages. You might have, you know, I don't know. You might you know to what? That's funny because that's how we are with the Nooner show. I right away say to people, it's Nooner, nooner time somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, yeah. So what exactly do you do? Yeah, what's your job press? there? That's a good question. I know. <laughs> um, well, we, I mean, we are a small publishing house, though I think um, many people uh, feel that we're bigger than we are. Um, we have a full-time staff of only 13. Um, so we wear many hats, and, and I think that, I could say that for everyone who works at Sleeping Bear Press, but and and I have done almost every job. Wow! Um, in the company at some point in time, so um, it's in some ways it's challenging, I guess, to really uh, explain what a publisher does. Um, but I think it's more that you really, you know, you have the opportunity to influence the publishing program. Um, and you get to be, you know, I think share your experience and, and over the years and, and lead others um, as well as um, the publisher, you know, I think gets the opportunity like today to really, you know, go out and talk about the company and um, just, you know, what an amazing time and what a privilege we have um, to be the publisher of children's books. And you have grown a lot. We have grown a lot. Um, three and a half years ago, Sleeping Bear Press was acquired um, by Ben Monlock, and we are independently owned, and we have two imprints now, Cherry Lake Publishing and Sleeping Bear Press oh. are our two imprints, and Cherry Lake, um, on, on, we focus on school and library publications uh, under that imprint, and then Sleeping Bear is really, you know, focused more on the trade market. Okay. But you, like I, like I said in the intro, you started off where mostly regional books and a regional audience, 
And now, if you're in California at a at a conference, or if I'm at a bookstore in some other state, and you say Sleeping Bear Press, people know. Right. People know. They they know the name. They know the books. They know the quality of the books that you do, which leads me to your um you know your mission of great books for children. So it sounds simple, but I know it's not. How do you how do you achieve that goal day in and day out of great books for children? Well, I think everyone at our publishing house is very, very committed um, in, in that we take great care with everything from, you know, that when we start with the manuscript um, to the illustrations, um, the editorial process, and to the design um, so that, you know, we, we want to create books that are memorable and that they're going to make a difference in the lives of children um, we want to blend stories um, with, you know, entertaining text and, and as well educational content um, so that parents, um, obviously children, but teachers, librarians everywhere um, know and, and, you know, enjoy and find great value in the books that we do at Sleeping Bear and Cherry Lake. And that certainly seems to be the case. How many books a year do you publish? Under the Sleeping Bear imprint, um, we do about 30 to 35 new titles each year. And on the Cherry Lake imprint, um, we do around 200 new titles each year. Wow. Wow. And um, how many authors do you work with? Because I know when I looked it up, I thought it was smaller. You know, I didn't realize how many authors you had. We now have worked with hundreds and hundreds of authors all over all over the world, really. I mean, yes, very concentrated in North America. And then it, we've also had just – we've been so fortunate. Um, we've had the opportunity to work with so many authors and illustrators from the state of Michigan, which is very rich with, with talent. And obviously we have um, Denise Brendan Nelson. Who? Um, I've never heard of her. <laughs> Yeah, who is she? Um, is Denise? A virtual unknown. I, 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 I get not true. I get to tell a funny story. Oh, on, oh, please crap. do. Oh boy! The very first time, and this was back in 1999. Um, Denise, um, together with Michael Monroe, had asked if she could come for a visit um, to the Sleeping Bear Press office, which at that time we were above um, the Chelsea Market in the quaint little um, town of Chelsea, Michigan, and. Um, we were in this just wonderful old historical building that had seen, um, you know, many, many, many years of being, I think it was an apartment at one time. It had been offices and, you know, the floors were all sloped and there, was, there wasn't an elevator in the building. There's just these old creaky stairs to get up there. And I think at that point we were three people strong. Um, and so Denise comes with Michael to pitch um, her first book, um, Buzzy the Bumblebee, to us. And we, at that point in time, when we had a guest in our office, all the staff, all three of us, um, joined in <laughs> on, five, on, every, number five. Five, <laughs> on every meeting. And we were so excited to meet Denise. And, and in she comes. And she's got all this paraphernalia with her. Mm, nothing's changed. <laughs> and I was like, wow, I, you know, I've never had a meeting like this where – you know, all these props and there was these stuffed bumblebees. And, <laughs> and the, so she sits down and she proceeds to pull out this big sign. You know, it was about four feet high. And she unveils it. And at the top it says, the top 10 reasons why you should publish my book. Oh, 
she had me at that point. I was like, anyone who has that much enthusiasm and passion, we absolutely have to do this book. You better be careful what you say, because now everybody is going to show up at your door. (laughs) Denise, nobody will walk around with as much luggage (laughs) as you will. I promise you that. Well, and I remember the list very, I still have it. And it was a big foam core board, the top 10 reasons why you should publish Buzzy the Bumblebee. It'll fly off the shelf. I mean, all David Letterman, you know, tongue in cheek crap. Right. You'll, you'll, you, you better be careful what you say because people will, which one of the things we want you to share with our listeners, and I know that you are taking, um, you're accepting manuscripts currently. We do. You can go to sleepingbearpress.com and we have um, submission guidelines. Okay. So don't submit foam core boards with the top <laughs> 10 reasons. <laughs> what is the process? Yes. So can you tell us what the process is? That's a good uh, question. Well, it really, we do look at Every submission, and I know I, you know, that's it can be challenging at times, um, and it does take us several months. Um, but the guidelines are there, you know, basically just you know on how to submit your manuscript. You can submit it electronically, or um, you can also mail it to us. Um, and we just really appreciate people's patience. Um, we we do get back to everyone, and we do review every manuscript we receive. Now that's for some people who have agents, it's a slightly different process, but um, for unsolicited manuscripts, the best thing you can do is go to sleepingbearpress.com. Does, does it make a difference if somebody has an agent versus somebody who doesn't? Like, Do, do they have a stand a better chance of um, a, a publishing company accepting the manuscript? Um, I can't speak for other publishing companies, um, but I wouldn't would say that that is not the case at Sleeping Bear Press. Okay. Um, you know, I the percentage of manuscripts that we sign that are unsolicited, you know, may only be two or three percent. But I say, you know, I have to kind of explain that a little bit because. Like Denise, once we're established with an author, then obviously we give prior, priority right. to their manuscripts. Right. Um, Whew, so, so, you know, <laughs> and they may not be represented by an agent. Right. Um, and then, you know, in some cases, we, our editors speak at the um, SCBWI, which is the Society of Children's Book Authors and Illustrators. And so we find new authors there. Okay. And again, often, you know, they don't have agents. So. Okay. Um, Isn't so it a pain to work with agents at times? Or um, well, I guess you can't really answer that in case there's an agent li- listening. <laughs> no, I mean I think that there's many agents that also bring um, you know wonderful perspective mm. on on the manuscripts as well, um, and in some cases they've vetted them. Um, you know, we have agents who they really look at our list; they know what we like, and so. When we get submissions from those agents, we'll know that, you know, most likely it is something that, in, you know, would appeal to us. Um, so, it, I mean, it's, it's great to work all Well, and you just ways. made a great point that people need to really do their homework to make sure that if they're submitting that they know the type of work that you publish and that they're not submitting something that you would never do. Correct? At, at, correct. Okay. Absolutely. I think that's a great piece of advice, don't you, for, for aspiring yeah. authors. Do your homework, know what they what they publish and Yes. For you know, for example, you know, don't send us an an adult, you know, novel when we're a children's publisher right. or, you know, don't send us, you know, perhaps comic 
right. manu- books, right. you know, manuscripts, um, you know, that sort of thing. So it is really helpful. So How? that, that oh. book that you wrote, Nooner Time, you don't want to submit that. <laughs> Just <laughs> it's a picture book, though, Denise. <laughs> and we're just laying on the beach drinking wine. What's wrong with that? Uh, how long does it, what? How long does it usually take when somebody um, submits a manuscript um, and it's accepted, right? Or or not accepted? Like, how long does it take for them to hear back? Uh, well, that process. Probably two to four months. Oh, okay. You know, it sort of depends because sometimes, you know, sometimes we'll get 100 manuscripts in a month and then, you know, maybe it might be a slower month. Um, I thought you were going to ask me how long does it take to get the book published. Oh, that's our follow-up. I want to know that. Or I think our listeners would like to know that it takes a lot longer than you think. Right. It it does. And But I think when you understand the process, it makes sense. Um, from the time that we receive a manuscript until the published, you know, the actual date that it's released into the market, I would say on average it's 12 to 18 months. And I think, you know, that's a very aggressive schedule. I think for most publishing houses, it's actually longer than that. Um, but the, you know, the process, um, like the illustration process, I mean, that's a three to six months. Um, and then the editorial process is usually around three months where, and that's where we're making changes to the manuscript and, you know, the editor's working with the author. Um, and then we have to do the design, um, proofing, um, printing, and as well, we need to be out in the marketplace letting everyone know about the book prior to the publication. So then we need, you know, around four to five months to do that as well and, you know, get the data, um, out to all the um, wholesalers, bookstores, you know, and then you know get a catalog out. And so, it's, wow, it's, it's a long a process. Lot more work. Mm-hmm. Tell everybody because I think the thing that people are most um, surprised about is that when they submit. So let's we've got some aspiring authors um, listening. They don't need an illustrator. Explain that whole process of of why they don't need an illustrator and how you pick and choose and how that whole thing goes. How the author doesn't have a whole lot of say really in that part of it. Uh, yes, I, you know, occasionally, I mean, there's some illustrators who are also authors. I mean, obviously, then you know, they may be one and the same. But I think that is what we bring is the you know the hat to have the vision. Um, for what we want the finished book to look like, you know, putting the author and illustrators together, um, understanding the art process so that we can make sure that we really, really do justice to that manuscript. And in some cases, you know, you want um, the absolute, you you want that, the creativity to like, and, and to have the manuscript become what it just absolutely can be. And I think sometimes when you take two creative people to the process, then the results are even more amazing. And we've seen that so many times with illustrators. Or I love when authors say, oh, I never envisioned that. Yeah. Like, it's you, better you know, than I thought. It's better right. than I thought. Or and, could imagine, yeah. And you do a great job with that because your books are beautiful. I mean, just seeing all of Denise's books and, and the other books that I've seen in the in the bookstore well, thank from you. your company. I mean, you guys do a great job with that because they're absolutely beautiful. Well, and I think it's just worth noting, to, you know, I tell people all the time, you don't, if you have a great story, you don't have to have it illustrated. Right. And to me, that takes some of the pressure and all of that off, you know, you just 
make it a great story, submit right. it. The publishing company has illustrators. They've worked right. with thousands of them. Right. They'll find the right illustrator. They'll take the illustrator that that style you know fits right. the story. Right. And so, and it is interesting because I mean, I would imagine with your experience that y- you might see it completely different than the way the author. Uh, would see it, you know, and I think the when you submit a manuscript, you're so attached to it emotionally right. that it's probably hard to have a different vision. Right. It's like my someday book, me writing it as a little boy, and then the publishing company suggested animals, and the illustrator did beavers. Oh. And it's I didn't like it at first. I was caught up in my own emotional right. attachment to right. being a little boy named Max. Right. And then it ended up being beavers. And it really, if they had asked was, me, I would have said no. Thank right. God they didn't ask me. Right. So they knew better. You, yeah. you know, it's a great um, way to think about life even. Let go. Right. Just let somebody else's idea come right. to the table and make it better. Right. And I think well, that's I, what I think you are an, so good at. As an artist, it's it's hard not to be emotionally connected to what to your work, you know? And, right. And that's why you guys do such a great job with, you know, being able to get the author to separate emotionally from their work and... It's probably, and I think as the publisher um, and editors, it's also our job to push both the author and the illustrator to the, you know, you know, in some cases, I mean, we push back, and I think the result is that they push even harder to do, you know, to sort of raise the level of in in terms of maybe the text, you know, the the creativity is just further enhanced by both. The design team, the editors. I mean, because we're all so committed, we just want right. that to be the absolute best book that it can be, and and have that magic. And and so it, you know, it really is a collective group of creative people. Wow, that's so true. And everybody brings something to the table. I've seen it time and time again. Which um, I I see it again. You you just released another great book. Grandpa loves you, um, written by a wonderful author named Helen Foster James. And she also wrote Grandma Loves You, which I know has been a huge hit for Sleeping Bear Press. Oh. Um, we've talked about it. You know, there's a yeah. lot of grandmas in the world. Right. And what you start great. to look for grandma right. books, and you can't find them. So right. grandma did really well. I'm sure grandpa's going to fly off the shelf <laughs> like Buzzy. <laughs> but tell us a little bit about uh, this story. Um, well, it, it, it's an extremely sweet story. It's the response um, of a grandpa when he first meets his grandchild. Oh, I love I just have to read the first page. The moment we met, I knew you would be a fine little branch on our family tree. Oh. Oh, look at the illustrations. I could keep going, but you don't like me to sing or read, probably. <laughs> That's not true, Denise. <laughs> look at that. Beautiful. Yeah, those are beautiful. Wow. And the illustrator, Jeez. I should, yeah. Petra Brown. Petra Brown. Petra Brown. Wow. I'm always amazed at the illustrator. Now, do do the authors end up uh, working with the illustrators during the process or not really? Not really, but I will add in some cases, though, often we have paired authors and illustrators together like on this series. I mean, obviously, it's the same author and illustrator. Eventually, I think that they get to know one another more. Um, Denise knows, I mean, she's been paired up with Michael Monroe. Right. Um, Sid, Jane, Sid, yeah. Jane Donovan, um, Sid, Moore. Sid Moore. And then eventually they build, I think, very close relationships um, and do collaborate. And, and you know, from our perspective, we don't we, – we love for the authors and illustrators to, to talk and, 
you know, um, often during the promotion, they're together at book signings, and we want them to have great relationships as well, and I think and really, you know, have a great respect for each other's work. Because it has to be exciting to submit a manuscript and then have an illustrator bring it to life. It is. I mean, how fun. It is. And, And more times than not, more often than not, what they turn in is better than what you right. could imagine. Right. It's like, wow. You know, and they pick up things that you didn't pick up. Right. Or it, yeah. it is a really interesting process. But again, I say to aspiring authors, don't worry about finding an illustrator, having it illustrated. Right. You can submit, you know, without that. I right. think that's just a, a great thing. And I think, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Heather, that as you said, you look at every manuscript that's submitted because isn't every publishing company looking for the diamond in the rough, whether they're, um, uh, you know, a seasoned author or, or a brand, you know, never been published author, right. you're looking for that story that will resonate with millions or, right. or at least thousands, right? Absolutely. And, you know, it never gets all that excitement of, you know, looking through the manuscripts or reading the manuscripts, whether they're from an author, a seasoned author that you work with. I mean, it's so, that first read is just so cool. You know, you just wonder, well, what have they done with the story and what is the story about? Um, you know, every day it's it's a new beginning. Yeah. And um, I feel very, very privileged to be part of this process. Um, do, do you understand or, or how do you feel about realizing that you have the responsibility of managing, if you will, people's dreams? It's it's funny, Denise, that you should say that because you almost at times feel sort of guilty because when you know we can't do every manuscript, and right. and there's many that they're perfectly wonderful manuscripts, but for various reasons. I mean, maybe there's a lot of other titles in the marketplace that you know have something similar. Um, or, you know, there's just topics that are more current or for, you know, whatever reason, there's there's times you have to turn down manuscripts and you know that that it's so hard. Rejection is, is difficult for everyone. Right. And I think that's the difficult, really difficult part for me. Um, but then the opposite to that is those calls and those notes from – so many authors who, you know, are just like, this This is a dream yeah. come true. Wow. Um, it's I bet. it's that, exciting. It has to that, be exciting. That that, yeah. But you know what? You, got, you have to say that again because that's the other thing I think people need to know. Just because you get a rejection letter doesn't mean it's not a great story. Right. Doesn't mean yeah. that there's not a publishing company out there that, that might publish it. It doesn't. Right. You know, it's, it's what we talk about. Obstacles and hurdles get in the right. way, but right. it's the ones that persevere. Maybe you have to change something about the story or the the route you're taking with it. Or it might not be the right fit. I mean, and that's important. You know, it's very similar to music. I mean, it's the same way. And I always think of the Beatles. I always think about. Oh yeah. I mean, that to me. Do say it. Tell everybody. It's the greatest rejection story. I mean, the letter that the Beatles received, telling them that their sound was outdated and it wasn't current. And had they listened to, and it was a vice president of a record company who sent them that letter, had they listened to them, there would have never been the Beatles. Amen. That's, I mean, that's the best advice, really, you can tell people. It's right. what our whole show is about. Right. You know, right. if you have something, which leads me to another question. Why do you think so many people um, want to write a children's book? Want to write a children's I'm going to leave it at that. 
That's a that's a great question. And and I have to be honest, I really don't have an answer. I, I have one. I, I'd love to, I'd love to <laughs> yeah. hear it. No, I'm serious because for the longest time I've I thought that and I've heard other authors. I think I've told mm-hmm. you this story. Mem Fox at a conference standing up there poking fun at everybody that wants to write a children's book. And she mm-hmm. said, people say, oh, I want to write a children's book. And she said, I look at them and say, oh, someday I'll be a brain surgeon. Her point being <laughs> that people think it's so easy. At the time, I was a brand new author and it, and I, I took a step back and had to think about that. But as I got more involved with this, I think the reason is, and you and I say this all the time, everybody has a story to tell. Right. Now, not everybody's going to get published. Right. But it, in our hearts, we have a song to write or a story right. to tell, right. and we ha- we want to find a way to do it. I think there's some people that just think it's a glorified profession mm-hmm. and right. want the fame or whatever. Right. But right. I really do think that a lot of people have a great idea and they don't know what to do with it. Right. And, you know, I think that just writing for ourselves is a good enough reason to write. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't think people are that you know, Mem Fox, that everybody thinks that, you know, <laughs> that writing is uh, brain surgery. It's not. Oh, but, but I, th- you know, I often tell people it's, a, it's okay to just write and it's okay to publish it for just you or you and your family. You know, that's right. okay too. Like, I, I don't think that everything can get published on, you know, and on that bigger platform, but don't let that take away from you being a writer and writing and, you know, um, maybe having, you know, save those memories and for your family. And by enjoying that experience. Yeah. And it appears to be, I think it appears to be easier. Jackie has a book published and I think she could say the same thing, that it appears to be easier than it is. Oh. Because you might write a great story. You might have great illustrations. But if you don't have marketing, how many people have self-published and they have 2,000 books in their garage or their basement? Right. Right. There's right. there's so many Well, everything goes back to marketing though. It doesn't it's you know, not even just with publishing books, but I mean everything is right. about marketing. That's true. That's uh, you it, it doesn't matter how, you know, what products you have, what books, what products, what right. services you offer. I mean it, it it does go back to marketing. Right. You can have a great product, but if you don't have a great exactly. marketing right. strategy, which you guys have a lot of great reps around the country. We do. And obviously you have connections with a lot of great bookstores mm-hmm. and, and that takes time. It, it does. I mean, it, it takes years. Yeah. Um, you know, it, and at times there, there's a lot of great books, you know, you go into, I mean, it, it's a time it's so rich, um, you know, go to your local bookstore, go to your local library you know, I, you know, I, I just want, I want to live in a bookstore, a library. <laughs> I never want to leave. I, and, and you couldn't possibly read everything that's out there, right? Um, no. But, you know, there there's times where we have no idea what the next great book is going to be. As publishers, we don't know. Is there a yeah. formula? There, No. Absolutely not. So that's what, when you say, you know, for some people, if you really believe in it or you have a great idea, I mean – you know, persevere it in every way that you can. Right. Um, because as, you know, we we can only make the best judgments based on, you know, sort of our instincts and what we know. Right. Um, but it's it's very difficult. I, I heard um, one of the CEOs from a major publishing house said, 
He goes, if we knew as publishers, wouldn't we all just publish bestsellers? Right. Yeah. Like music, Jackie. Uh, right, it is. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. I mean, what's the, what's the next big hit? It's hard. Right. It's you really know? hard. You think you know, and then you're surprised, and the ones you think won't be are, and the ones that you exactly. think will be, I, it, it is. Exactly. A- but you know what? It goes back to what we talk about all the time. I mean, if the dream is big enough, you do it, because maybe you weren't, if it doesn't get published, over and over, maybe you weren't supposed to have a published book, but maybe it was supposed to lead to something else. There you go. And and you find discover your true calling that way. I right. Mean, you know. What guest of ours was it that said, "Give it a time limit"? Um, oh, that was Brian... Charlie. No, that was Charlie Hune from. Oh, that's, Fog Hat. that was Charlie. That's yeah, right. The lead singer. He of said, Fog Hat. "If you have a dream, work on it as hard as you can for as right. long as you can, and then give it a, give it a deadline. Yeah. I mean, at some mm-hmm. point, right. you may need to move on. Yeah. Right. I think too many people." Don't try hard enough. Right. Exactly. Or they keep trying and they don't move on. Right. You know, and exactly. I think there's avenues that you can, different avenues you can take. That's a great point, Jackie. Okay, finish this sentence, Heather. You ready? Uh-oh. <laughs> I love it. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay, ready? Here we go. It drives me crazy when authors... <laughs> authors don't drive me crazy. I love authors. <laughs> um, Good answer. answer. <laughs> I love it. I learned so much from authors. Oh, that's so sweet. Okay, now I get asked this question a lot, and I thought I'm gonna put I'm gonna put her on the spot. Um, what's your favorite book? People ask me that all the time. What's your favorite book? You must get asked that question. The one I'm presently reading. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Damn, I don't have that answer. (laughs) As As a publisher, um, you know, I, I mean, our first children's book, um, it just, you know, right. It, it, that was just so, so special. Um, the Legend of Sleeping Bear. The Legend yeah. of Sleeping we Bear. We got to say it again. There is yeah. nothing like the first. Yeah. That's true. You know, that's true. That's like every book, though, right? Every book has a beginning and an end. Oh, and right. the first, you get to read it for the very first time. It's, right. You know, mm-hmm. books that's are true. first over and over and over again. What was it like when that book was chosen to be the, you know, the book for Michigan? The the state book? Of, oh, I mean, from the time we released that book, it, it just took on a life of its own. It was just so special. And um, the Michigan booksellers embraced it um, and promoted it. And then, you know, all the great things that happened following the release of that book. It's a beautiful um, story. Kathy, we should give Who wrote the book? Credit. Kathy Jo Warden. And Heisberg Van Franken, who's an illustrated it. And, you know, at the, well, Kathy's not in Michigan anymore, but Nick still is. And Nick is one of your and, really and, wonderful And it's funny because you said Nick. Um, you know, and, and, and both um, Kathy, Joe, and Nick, they really took a chance on us. We had no experience with children's publications. So I will forever be um, grateful to them for taking that chance. But Heisberg Van Frankenhusen um, at that time was working for the Michigan Department of Natural Resources magazine. And, um, you know, people would call in looking for him and they couldn't, you know, they didn't know how to pronounce his name. So over and over, um, you know, they would call and they would stumble at saying Heisberg. And one day, one of the other employees there looked at him and said, you really need to get a nickname. And he said, Nick will be fine. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's pretty funny. He's been Nick ever since. Yeah. So so did you approach them to do the book? You know, um, 
we were working with Kathy Joe and Ed Wargen on a pictorial okay. on, for you know the adult audience. And I happened to mention to her that we wanted to do the story um, because of the Sleeping Bear Press. And she said, oh, could I, you know, could I write and submit something? So that's how that took place. And then I saw Nick's work hanging on the wall of a friend of his. And I happened to be there looking at some stock photography for another project. And I said, wow, I really love those illustrations. And he said, oh. They're, you know, they were um, created by a friend of mine. And I said, would would you mind putting me in touch with him? And so he did. And then again, you know, here Nick, so trusting, just showed up um, wow. after I called him and said, yes, I'd love to do this project. And uh, that was such a blessing because Nick actually really understood the layout and design um, much more than we did at that time from a child for a children's book. So he guided us. Wow. And so how did it become the state book? Um, you know, it was nominated and, you know, just went right through that process the same way that, you know, we, we have a state flower, we have a state reptile. Um, uh, so, you know, we just were very fortunate that um, I think, you know, people just really thought that the book was, was very good for the state as wow. well. And the story. And now look at you know, in recent years, the Sleeping Bear Dunes being voted the most beautiful yes, right. um, place in America. Right. I mean, it's just it's just all so cool. Connect the dots. That's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. Now, you've done a lot of books with Nick. We have. Nick's been. I think he now just completed, I want to say 35. I was wow. He's got to be in the 30s. Wow. Yeah. Great But guy. when you think about it, it's been almost 20 years. I mean, we started the book, it published in 98, but back to that, you know, takes a year. So we started right. it in 1997. Um, so it's been almost 20 years since um, we started working with Nick. And in, and in some of those years, he did two two books a year. So You know, and I've been with you. Buzzy came out in 1999. And I, I think the thing that I love most about Sleeping Bear, and there's a lot of them, is that you... You've really stayed true to that mission of great books for children. Right. And I know you've gone through a lot of changes. Who doesn't in 20 years? Right. But um, I don't know. You take really good care of the books that you have. And I'm sure, again, with all the changes, it's sometimes not easy. And you've had a few staff changes in um, a change of hands here and there. But I yeah. guess the fact that, I mean, you've you've been there this whole time. You actually you have a handful of people that have been there from You're the right. beginning. We wow. do. We we have right? we have a lot of our staff has, has been with us, you know, for, from the for many many years. Um and they they're just so committed and you know to children's publishing and to Sleeping Bear Press. I mean, that's part of I think what makes Sleeping Bear work and the and the charm. Let's let's switch gears for a minute and talk about publicity because I know you have a great publicist um in New York, Audrey Mitnick, and she does a great job with all the books that you do and, you know, getting word out there and, and getting events for these different things. I mean, how does all that happen? Well, with each title, it is unique to the title, um, though there are obviously a, a number of reviewers, um, review like pu- industry publications, as well as um, children's book reviewers that, you know, we will submit um, to with with every title, but then there's also the regional aspects of every title and and or just the unique content, 
And so, you know, we try to take um, that into consideration and make sure that we really go out into those markets to do marketing. Because if you think about a book being in a bookstore and you go into a bookstore, you can see how challenging it is when there are thousands and thousands. How, you know, how do you get attention? Um, So I think you really have to find um, the unique markets that that book is, you know, is appropriate for and then really market to that group. How how is the book business overall? Yeah, with with technology and all that, what are you seeing? Um, you know, there certainly was some struggles just as mm-hmm. the you know during um, that dip in the economy. Um, I think that books aren't always you know a place where people can spend money when there's other things that you know they need to spend money right. on, and that's where I say you know I go to your local library. They're so rich in in the content that they have as well. Um, I think now it's the business once again. The publishing business is is strong again, um, and and you know I think that's reflective. Well, you, people you, are still buying hard, hard. I mean, actual books, right? Oh, now you're talking printed versus ebook. I mean, yeah. as a publisher, we want to meet the needs of every customer. It doesn't, right. you know, it really doesn't matter to us. I mean, and and to, as an author or an illustrator. We want to deliver that book to you in whatever format you want to read it. Um, so we publish everything in both print and, and hardcover. But it is interesting. Print is very much alive and well. And the ebook sales, and, and we've seen this throughout the industry, have really flattened. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, people want their print. They want to feel You're it. Right. They want to see it. They want to smell it. I agree. Um, I- and I think especially with children's picture books. I agree. I was just going to say, too, um, you know, every time I go to Barnes & Noble, it's packed. It's packed. I think people like to, I mean, I have a ton of books that I won't give away to people because I don't know why, (laughs) but they're, (laughs) I know. No, but it's like, they're they're like a security type of, I I don't know. I just like having them there displayed. You know? <laughs> I do. I like yeah, one of those people. Yeah, like we, trophies. We never grow out of picture books. Yeah. No. Right. You know, I would say as as adults, we just call them magazines. It's the same thing. Right. You true. know, we always right. still enjoy that the visuals with the right. you know, with Good the text. Point. Um but there's the picture books because of technology. They're just so beautiful. I mean, they're right. works of art. Right. You know, it's it's incredible, really. What do you? What's the most difficult part about your job? What do you like? Not like about it? Boy, she has a lot of tough questions. I know. <laughs> um, rejection. Yeah, that would be. That tough. really is. I don't like that part yeah. either. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> you feel like you're letting yeah, down. It is hard, you know. Yeah, yeah. but the more you, do, I mean, again, I realize now it, it doesn't mean it's not good. It doesn't right. mean. Right. It just means, like you've said, it, you don't have a place for it, or some, you know, somebody else has done a similar story. Right. Um, so there's a lot of reasons. I think we just have to change our attitudes about rejection. Exactly. You know? You're right about that. Make us. Well, we keep saying we're going to have a show on it. Yeah. Rejection absolutely. too. I mean, that can make you stronger. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I think right. for many people, right. um, they they've had that experience. Um, it, it it's you know it's a very creative job. Um, we're very fortunate, and it's such a you know it's such a great wholesome, you know, getting books into the hands of children, taking them, you know, around the world, 
in books and right. you know tapping into their imagination and and you do get to travel very fortunate. with your job, which is wonderful. I mean, you do. I do take the books and and go to different conferences and we do shows. a lot of reading conferences, a lot of library conferences. How important is that to the business? It's I we feel it's very critical. Um, you know, that's where you meet with educators, um, and they are the ones in many cases, you know, who get new books into the hands of children, especially like, I mean, obviously school-age children get exposed to the books that the teachers read or use in the classroom. So it's critical. A lot of your books do have, you know, the beautiful story and then the sidebars, the educational. And one of your um, books that you just came out with called Good Good Trick Trick Walking Walking Stick. Stick. Wow. I just love the cover of this by Sherry Maubry. Bestor, am I saying that properly? Illustrated by Johnny Lambert. Um, and I love it because, again, it's just a great story. You could go through the entire story and just read that part of it. But on each page, there is a sidebar, a um, oh. couple sentences that gives you – it's it's an educational um, uh, and, segment of it. Right. And and we've been well known for that sort of blending that the, the art and the text that appeals in the trade market with more – of the educational market uh, content, so it works in the educational market. You know, the, the story I want to tell about this book is when we first looked at this manuscript, we just love the manuscript, and and I, you know, I have fond memories of finding walking sticks with my kids, and um, you know, and I I felt well, you know, we we should do this story, and the, the initial reaction um, from we have an acquisition group was. Wow, this is going to be really challenging from an illustration standpoint. How do you make a walking stick cute? Like how you know how are we going to make that work? And if you think about the walking stick, right? You know it's long and narrow right. and it's hard to see. And so that sort of gives you a little insight into how we look at things and how we discuss it. And you know there was sort of some concern um but we felt very strongly about the manuscript and i i don't know i just it just really resonated with me and so i sort of pushed forward and said you know i th- i really think we can do this we'll we'll figure out the right illustrations and the right look and now we've had so many compliments on the illustrations and Emery, how many books have you seen on walking sticks i love right. it. The, and the, they're right. an amazing insight right. the art team did an amazing job on this story. I mean, I love the the way they the wiggle 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 pop. Yes, out crawls an insect. It looks like a stick. It can walk. It's a walking stick. I mean, it. But again, I've already learned a few things, and I love the way they ended it with a little sidebar. Even though it seems like it would be fun to have a stick as an insect. So is it, is this book out, Heather? Yes, we so just can we get just book? shipped it this month. Oh, okay. It's a March release, and we just shipped it to bookstores. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So love it. Love it. Love the greens. Yeah, nice it's beautiful. Springy. Yeah, beautiful. So, so, a couple new books for you, and what else is in the works? Any any new shows coming up? Or, um, well, we we do conferences every month. Oh, I mean, really? You could all, you could do a conference several times a week. There, oh, there's so wow. many wonderful conferences. I mean, just because we are small, we we can't be everywhere. We have to be in the office once in a while. Yeah. Really? Um, does, ben, does, ben, yeah. <laughs> does Ben require that? <laughs> yeah. He likes to see staff occasionally. So we, uh, we do have to summarize or wrap it up. We do? Uh, we do. Well, she just I just started getting into it. I mean, we're not she going said through we have your, five minutes. We're not going through your 
That's 400 true. questions <laughs> here for Heather. Uh, but Heather, so Sleeping Bear Press, they are accepting manuscripts, right? Yes. And, um, yes. Sleepingbearpress.com, and it's B-E-A-R, not B-A-R-E. So don't don't sleep bare naked. <laughs> okay. And also, uh, like you guys mentioned, make sure you do the research on the company and then go to the submission guidelines, right? Yep. Review how to send it. Do you prefer electronic or do you prefer? Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Doesn't it matter. won't affect it. And um, Yeah. I mean, save on paper, send it electronically. Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah. But I think people just want to know that that you got it and you read it, and, right? You know, people get right. so weird yeah. out about. Well, no. I mean, it it was I I thought very informational to let people know how long it takes before you even hear anything back because I think people want to send it and get a response right away. Yeah. Yeah. I think some really publishing does. companies t- takes, can take six eight months. Yeah, I mean that's it's a it's a and process. At, and at sure. times it can you know for us as well. I mean it depends upon when. The manuscripts arrive in the year because we have very, you know, we have peak seasons that we're extremely busy. Spring and fall? Yeah. Before yeah. the holidays? Probably. Well, in front of, too, when all our books go to the printer. I mean, we're very focused then on the books that we're publishing. And we yeah. really don't have time and the luxury of, you know, reading new manuscripts. So, um, so yeah, just be patient. But we do respond to everyone. That's great. Yeah. I think that's great that you do that. Well, we appreciate you being yes, here. Of course, thank we appreciate you, you oh, my publishing privilege. great books for children and um, keeping authors busy and <laughs> illustrators. And I just so. want I want to add one thing. When Denise sent me a note, she said, "You know, just come dress comfortably." The great thing about um, radio is no <laughs> one can see us. So yes. I just wanted to add that this is just a room full of very beautiful Aww. women. Um, so you. for all you, you listeners out there. They're gorgeous and they Aww. come so beautifully uh, and creatively dressed as well. They don't uh, hide behind you. the mic. Well, thanks. We appreciate that. I think it depends who the guest is. <laughs> 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 well, remember that show we were on? Oh, it was Team Money Show. And we didn't know that we were, they were live streaming. Oh, I know. We went oh, to you a guys night were on video for that? Yes. yes. So we oh, started, you know. of course, fixing our hair, putting lipstick <laughs> we went there, on. Yeah, and, you know, 8 o'clock at night, and oh, we were all grubbed out. And fun. But thank you so much, and thank you for all the insight. Oh, and you know what the... you've been sipping on, by the oh, way? Yes. So we try to pick out a drink that um, you know, somehow fits. Well, I yes. found this um, wine. First press. First press. Well, you were my first. Probably my last. You two are the most, <laughs> you find the most unique things. <laughs> the sip on this. Amazing. Amazing. Has that amazing. Yeah. Really and it's does. good. It's yummy. But we it's have yummy. I'm not, I don't, I'm not going back to the office today. I hope Ben's oh, not listening. Yeah. Good. Because yeah. we have more wine here to finish. But, well, no, um, you're going to stay and meet our our other guest yes. that wrote that alphabet song. Um, now, you're going somewhere tomorrow night that you should mention, Pink Pump. I am. I'm going to. And I'm sorry, uh, I can't yes, make it. Pink Pump, it's uh, actually our, our uh, one of our guests, Melanie Williams the PR guru, uh, I believe is the person um, who organized this event, but it's a Detroit, uh, New York fashion night out, and it has the uh, Project Runway celebrity Lori Underwood will be there at the Pink Pump, unveiling her new collection of classic glam. And uh, yes, I'm really excited. I'm excited to see Melanie, and um, sounds like it's going to be a great event. Well, so. tell her thank you for the invitation. I, I wish will. I could make it, but we are I going know. for a wedding fitting. I know. I need my dress hemmed, and Becca needs hers, uh, you know, yeah. altered and all that gobbledygook. Um, so right. have fun. Keep me posted on how that goes. It's going to be a good night. It's in Bloomfield Hills, by the way, and I believe. I think it's open to the public, but it's tomorrow, 6.30 to 9. It's at the Pink Pump, 2527 West Maple Road in Bloomfield Hills. So Is anybody 
Can anybody show up? I I hope so because I just put it out there. <laughs> just thinking. I don't know. Here I thought maybe we were invited because we're slobber slabbering. We're what? So, <laughs> slabberties. Sla- I only have one glass of wine, and I'm um, but also next week we have um, Kay Hub in the corner is our guest, Karen Hubbard, Aww. and she has a show on Tuesday nights. And her show is a sexy little variety show. And I'm excited to have her on because she's gone through quite a bit. So she uh, has a very inspirational story. She's going to teach us a thing or two. I'm I'm sure sure. she is. So, So. all right. Well, it's been a great show as always, Jackie. I love being with you. I love spending time with you. Are we we... doing our fortune cookies? Oh, sure. Let's do our – do we have time, Jessica? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, let's see what what, – oh. We have a tradition, Heather. And after every interview, we toss our cookies, and whichever way the, whichever way the prongs face you, the that prongs means, you make them sound like well, they, they are. Have, they're the yeah. prongs on the fortune All cookie, right. um, or the ends. The ends. I, I think they're prongs, <laughs> but whichever one's facing you means that that fortune was destined for you. So we're gonna toss the cookies, and I think this one is Heather's this right here. Mine. This one's yours. Thank you. Jessica, this is yours. So do we open them? Thank we you. do. We open yeah. them and we read them. And Denise, do you we want open to read, show? We open, show. read, and eat them? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. how do we read them? We Denise. read them, we read it, and then we end with in bed. Mm-hmm. We'll, let, we'll let Heather go first. Oh, great. I think you should go first. So oh, she great. Knows how to... <laughs> okay, I'll go first. You will be rewarded for your kindness to others in bed. <laughs> your love life will Here soon be happy and harmonic. <laughs> Harmonic. Harmonious. Harmonious <laughs> in bed. In You've got bed. Mustard <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Okay, birthday girl. Okay. There's a secret romance blooming. Go for it in spite of your hesitation in bed. In bed. <laughs> All right. Opportunity is knocking at your front door in bed. Boom. It's going to be a fun night. There's a book there somewhere, right? I know. All the things you can right. do in bed. In bed. Um. All right, cool. Well, so, and we're going to leave our guest with oh, what? One more thing. What I missed. Tell her about the song you're we're donating dedicating to her. Oh, well, I was at spin class the other day, and um, the the very last song she played, I'd never heard it. Had you heard it? No, I never heard it. Okay, before. and it's called "I Wish I Was a Punk Rocker," and the lyrics just you know we're of the all of the same generation. Well, not Jessica, but the three of us are all of the same generation. I love this song. I couldn't cycle fast enough to it. I don't know why. It just hit me. My daughter didn't like it at all, our CEO, um, and I don't think you loved it, right, Jack? I, I love the lyrics. Okay. Well, listen to the words. If you don't like the tempo or the music, I loved both. We're going to finish it with that, but we also want to leave our readers with this. Yes. Remember, sometimes your only avo- available transportation is a leap of faith. Happy Th- hump day. Yep. Thanks for taking a leap of faith. Ha- oh, my gosh. I can't talk. Have a leap of faith of wine. with us, Heather. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Happy hump day. It's my pleasure. Happy hump day. Oh, I wish I was a punk rocker with flowers in my hair. In 77 and 69, revolution was in the air. I was born too late into a world that doesn't care. Oh, I wish I was a punk rocker with flowers in my hair. When the head of state didn't play guitar, not everybody drove a car. When music really mattered and when radio was king. When accountants didn't have control and the media couldn't buy your soul. When computers were still scary and we didn't know everything. Oh, I wish I was a 
punk rocker with flowers in my hair. In 77 and 69, revolution was in the air. I was born too late to a world that doesn't care. Oh, I wish I was a punk rocker with flowers in my hair. When pop stars still remained a myth and ignorance could still be bliss. I mean, God save the queen, she turned a white, a shade of pale. My mom and dad were in their teens And anarchy was still a dream And the only way to stay in touch Was a letter and the mail Oh, I wish I was a punk rocker With flowers in my hair In 77 and 69 Revolution was in the air I was born too late To a world that doesn't care Oh, I wish I was a punk rocker Record shops were still on top And vinyl was all that they stopped And the super info highway was still drifting out in space Kids were wearing hand-me-downs And playing games, men kick around And footballers still had long hair And dirt across their face Oh, I wish I was a punk rocker With smiles in my hair In 77 and 69 Revolution was in the air I was born too late To a world that doesn't care This is a previously recorded episode.